0: This is Surya show, and this is my 47th interview. I never imagined getting to that many, but hey, it's a lot of fun, and I'm getting great feedback from you, my listeners. So on this episode, I had an opportunity to sit down with the CEO of Lupio, Zach Hemraj, and talk about his mindset. How did he get to start one of the fastest growing B2B SaaS companies in Toronto, Lupio? His principles what drives him, the importance of focus and limiting distractions, his favorite business books, and a couple of tough hypothetical questions to really expose Zach's thinking. This is my third interview uh, that I did on video, so if you'd like to see it, you can uh, go on YouTube. I'll have a a link in the show notes. Otherwise, enjoy the conversation. Here's Zach. Well, I'm here with the CEO of uh, Lupio. Zach, thank you so much for joining me here today. My pleasure. Happy to be here. So the first question is, after I uh, found your personal blog, yeah. is why did you call it Zach Attack?
1: Yeah, so my personal blog. So for those of you that are listening, uh, Sergey found a, a personal blog of mine from... How long ago was it? It was
0: 15 years.
1: 15 years ago that I had completely forgotten about. Um, Zach Attack. I think maybe it just sounded, to be honest, just sounded cool. Uh, if anything, I was probably thinking about... Uh, attacking ideas uh, and attacking your mind. (laughs) Um, And I think that was early, early stages of of me publishing anything outward facing. Um, You know, it was not really, it was very, very early in my career, maybe just kind of starting things off. So I, I didn't even know what my aspirations were at that point. But yeah, I think I just had a desire to share some ideas. And I was kind of formulating some early opinions back then. And I'm interested in in what you found because it's hard to even remember the kinds of things that I wrote about.
0: It moves so fast. Yeah. And speaking of not knowing where to go, I have a quote. Yeah. This is what you wrote. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so nervous. (laughs) My problem is that there are many things that I want to do with my life, but I don't know exactly in what order or how I should go about doing them. This was April 2006.
1: Oh, my. So that was, that was, uh, as I was graduating from university, it seems yeah. like April two thousand and six, so you were
0: yeah. not sure looking back uh, yeah. what were the things that that helped you get on the on on the right path and figure out what you were you, what you wanted to do
1: I think that uh, it's a great question. what helped me get on the right path uh, I think you know I wish I had some epic story of prioritization and and self reflection but I think, like most people's journeys, it's it's fueled through through movement and iteration, mm-hmm. right? It's um, movement, iteration, and opportunity. I think I I came across opportunities pretty early in my career. I wasn't looking for a startup to join or looking for a a great technology company, but I, I happened to come across an opportunity of a twenty-person a startup called mm-hmm. Isle of Rewards, uh, and you know there weren't many tech startups in the in the city in Toronto at that time, and um, you know, over the next eight years, that company grew to to roughly 300 people. And I got to have many, many opportunities throughout that. And I think that that was in a lot of ways was, was another point of education for me. It was kind of like my technology MBA in a lot of ways. Um, and so I guess like many success stories, like you're you're come across many opportunities. It's about what, what you do with them. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just, you know, surrounding myself with the right people, um, attacking every opportunity with the right energy, um, keeping an open mind, staying positive, um, putting everything into into every project that was in front of me. I think those were the mm-hmm. those were probably the things, right? It's and then I am I'm, I'm a very much a, a learn through doing person. I think I'm an engineer by, yeah. by you know by background, and um, a lot of the people around me are as well. And so um, yeah, it was just you know opportunity and, and moving and and making decisions and kind of going on to the next thing and learning intensely. Um, and then eventually kind of like figuring it out, right. Like I think even, even through our journey of building Lupio, I think a lot of ways it was the same. It was, you know, we bootstrap a business early days. It was less oriented around vision in the early days and more oriented around doing things and getting feedback. Yeah. Um, and until we kind of found our way. Uh, and so I think that's, uh, You know, that's probably an extrapolation of of my life in those days as well.
0: And you, I was trying to find that company on LinkedIn, the first startup, obviously, you didn't include that one. But was the idea of being an entrepreneur always on the mind or it happened over time? Because I've read your posts about 9 to 5 and um, not being completely happy with the way things are.
1: Yeah, interesting. Um, I I do think the entrepreneurial spirit uh, was... Something I, I gathered early. Um, I definitely have entrepreneurs in the family. I think a lot of people that come from immigrant families um, are surrounded by entrepreneurship, whether they call it that or not, right? And, and sometimes it's just um, survival. <laughs> yes. uh, and so that that fight and that hunger is something that I think in my in my family and community was was something that I um, was surrounded by. Uh, but I do remember early conversations. So I have two co-founders of Lupio. One of them, Jafar, him and I went to school together at Queen's who we were actually in the same Frosch group. Um, and, and back then in first year university, we would even talk about, you know, maybe one day we'll start a business together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have no idea where that came from. Um, but I do remember those conversations very vividly. Um, and we had no idea what we were talking about. But it took another 10 plus years for anything to manifest. We went our different ways and then kind of came back together. Um, but yeah, so those, those seeds were there early. And I think a lot of it was a desire to, um, have control, uh, to have the autonomy, yeah. um, to do something meaningful, right. Uh, to make an impact, um, to challenge yourself. Mm. Um, and then also to have to kind of diversity in skill and, and, you know, you, put, you mentioned that quote of like, I have so many things I want to do. I think entrepreneurs generally, um, do want to put their kind of uh, head headspace in, in many different areas, absolutely, and their mind share in different areas, um, and, and want to make an impact, right? And so, I think that's that's probably where it came from.
0: Mm. Yeah. And you um, you read a lot. You yeah. posted a lot of book reviews. Yeah. One of them was about. I forgot exactly the title. It was something around why work sucks or why work life sucks, something like that. It was around the nine to five, around questioning why it has to be this way where you actually go to Mm -hmm. uh, and work and you're nine to five and that's about it. That's what life is about. And then right now you are the CEO of Lupio. You're growing. Uh, You are doing really well. Mm -hmm. Would you consider Lupio at any point being a fully remote company?
1: fully remote company. Um, so to give some, I think I know what book you're talking about. There was, uh, in those days, there was a lot of, um, it was kind of the up and coming movement of the results only work environment. Uh, and, um, I think I remember, and just to give some backstory and some context here, you know, I, throughout my journey at a company called Achievers, which used to be called, I love rewards. Uh, I had about, Ten, maybe eleven different managers you know throughout that that time frame, um, and I'd have to do an exact count, but each of them kind of brought new perspective for me, and there was always kind of an intellectual debate happening um, as the company was kind of growing in tandem with that too and um, so I remember having a lot of you know challenging or a lot of debates where we were challenging about different concepts and work and and we were trying to evolve our culture as mm-hmm. the company grew too. Um, I do think that a focus on on results is the is the right way to go. Um, within a business or within any role, right? And always thinking about outputs and what we're trying to drive. Um, Lupio, do I ever see Lupio as a fully remote company? The funny thing is that we're actually quite the opposite right now. Every single one of our employees, which we call loopers, yes. um, are here in Toronto in one office, right? All 140 of us. And so um, we've intentionally done that because we are building a, a culture in a very intentional way, right? We want to have the energy and the serendipity of, of collisions that happen on a daily basis and rapid knowledge transfer and a lot of positivity and optimism in the air, a lot of visual identity of what's going on and dashboards yeah. and customer stories and stand up meetings and company wide town halls. And, um, that's just like, that's not the only way to build a company there's many ways. Um, but that's something that we value and it's something that we, that we feel strongly about. It's something that we're passionate about. Um, now, I think as the workforce will evolve, as our company will evolve, I could see us, you know, continuing to evolve as mm-hmm. well. Um, we do tell ourselves and we tell every Lupio employee there is no Lupio way, right? We'll always challenge ideas as we continue to grow. And so I could see us, you know, continuing to change as well. Um, being a fully remote workforce, I think, you know, if that were to ever happen to Lupio, I think it would be very, very far out, mm-hmm. um, and when you're in this this world of techno fast growth technology startups, I think past even two years is is almost like you know yeah, it's, a it's large a large a amount time. of time ahead, as as you know as well. And so, um, yeah, I would say it's hard to say you know ever or never, but mm-hmm. over the next couple of years, probably not. Yeah. Um, but will we evolve? Absolutely. Um, and I think uh, the working world is is definitely evolving as well.
0: I want to talk about distractions because yeah. we're all being distracted with uh, social media and emails and all no- all those notifications. Yeah, you had a challenge <clears throat> early on, and I don't think I think everybody has a challenge right now. Yeah, how do you manage that? How do yeah. you make sure that you are your your output is is higher than your in and your informational input?
1: Yeah, it's um, a great question. I think you nailed it. That like this is probably the biggest problem of in the current working world in a lot of ways is whether you want to call it deep work, right? Mm -hmm. The time for kind of deep work, um, being distraction free, all of these things. So uh, for me personally, um, I value this stuff a lot. I, and I'm very intentional about, um, what goes in. And so, I turn off notifications for most things on my phone. I think it's like, you kind of go in and very few things have notifications. My phone is always on vibrate and never, I don't like the, even the sound. Um, and
0: you were a Tim Ferris fan. So you picked up a lot. Yeah. Of yeah I was a huge,
1: hours. I was a huge Tim Ferris fan. And I think I picked up a lot of my early opinions from him as well. And so I think like, controlling the environment around you, I think is one thing. And I think, so just, you know, minimizing distractions and, and inputs that way. And so from the phone, you know, being very diligent about that, I have a routine where, you know, I don't, I don't check my email um, until I'm physically in the office every morning. Now, I do get in earlier than most people. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a morning person. Um, what do you usually get a, get here? Uh, normal time is eight, o'clock, maybe, Uh, sometimes 8.15, sometimes even a little bit earlier. Uh, It all depends. Um, But uh, over time, I've become a morning person. A lot of that is out of necessity because of, you know, when I'm here and and the workforce is fully ramped up and and everybody is here, a lot of my job is to be able to remove obstacles for other people and to be present for my team. Um, And so, you know, the time for me to do the deep work is earliest in the day. Um, or, or kind of later in the in the evening, or or maybe kind of in the middle of the day, where you know I may mean, need to lock myself in a room somewhere or, or go yeah. off site. Um, but other than that, it's about supporting other people yeah. and 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 helping mobilize things, right? And and that just requires me to be fully present. Yeah. And so I think uh, distractions. It's just I think it's having a routine and being disciplined about certain things, right? Like being intentional about things like your phone, having a routine around certain areas, finding time to disconnect right? Finding time to like completely disconnect. i I think even when I was, I remember when I was a software engineer, uh, you know, as your role changes, you do different things. But when I was a software engineer, what I used to do, I remember was every time I went on vacation, I would disable email from my phone and I would, my work email, and I would have an auto reply that said, if there's anything urgent, email my personal email, which is here. So I'm still checking, but only, only only, it's all filtered to just emergencies, right? And the response is going to be so much less
0: because it's just it's always like that, right? Yeah. There's a lot less people who are willing to, like, oh, it's actually not a big deal. I don't have to message them yeah. on a second email.
1: Yeah, so I think that this is a big thing, is that you just have so many, you have more control than you, you think you do with some of these inputs, but a lot of it, it takes some some courage and some discipline. Um, and then, yeah, like once in a while, I'll, I'll delete Instagram, and, and it might be gone for a month because I, I found myself distracted. And so I think just being super aware of, of what's happening, um, and then I think that the, one of the biggest problems, and then I think I've, sorry, one of the biggest problems is that, uh, we don't give ourselves time to just do nothing. Hmm. Right. And what I have realized as my role has become more and more strategic, uh, time to absorb and time to think is critical to success. And that's something that wasn't as clear when my work was more tactical, um, and so as that my role has changed and evolved, like being intentional about, you know, disconnecting, finding time to absorb, finding time to think, uh, finding time to do something different um, so that I could, you know, think about things differently is actually become critical to success. And so um, it's kind of counterintuitive sometimes, but I think that's something that, that's also important is actually like, being okay with mm. with no inputs, right, yeah. or or meditating or whatever it is. And it so, because you're you yeah.
0: actually going to get the insights that otherwise you're not going to get, yeah. it will jump out contextually yeah. when you're actually not doing anything because you you already thought about a lot of yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. I,
1: so I don't know if that answers your question, but I think yeah. there is a lot there around kind of intentionality, discipline, you know, controlling certain things, um, especially when it comes to
0: technology. Um, yeah, and just mindset. Would you say somebody who wants to be a little bit more focused, start small, start with their phone?
1: Yeah. I think the phone is the first place to start, right? I I think when you... When you say the word distraction, I think the first thing that people think of is their phone. So focus on the phone first, yeah. right? So what do you do, right? Right before we, we started this interview, I put my phone in my bag, right? Like on purpose. Yeah. So it's not even in my pocket. Anytime I do any sort of interview, um, and a lot of times not even meetings, I'll, I'll leave my phone, you know, either in my bag or at my desk because I want to be completely in the moment for the thing that I'm doing. Um, and so, yeah, I would say, yes, phone is a the, the perfect place to start. Mm-hmm. Right, and start thinking about that. And now you have Apple and other apps that are um, right. on on the phone as well that are giving you more insights into what's happening. Um, so yeah, it's a great place to start.
0: Totally. You are a big fan of growth mindset. You mm-hmm. try to instill growth mindset in, in the values that you have with Lupio, with new employees, with the current employees. Yeah. How do you do that? And what are some of the things that you do for people who join mm-hmm. Lupio and for people who are already here yeah. but want to grow and be better in their roles or move to new roles? So a few things there. So growth mindset. So I
1: could focus on a few areas, uh, more for people that are, that are within Lupio or for myself.
0: Uh, so let's start with the people who are within the Lupio okay. and yeah. then we'll, we'll switch to you.
1: Okay. Yeah, for sure. So um, growth mindset. So maybe I think it's important to, to understand and unpack exactly what, yeah. what a growth mindset is. Right. Um, so I think a, a growth mindset in a lot of ways is about being open to to evolution to being open to new ideas and to be able to uh, be okay with change right more than anything um, and to have this kind of uh, intention about about growing and, and evolving um, so there's a few things that we do i think when when loopers start even in their onboarding sessions when they sit down with a founding team we we have a session where we go over mission and values of the company. Uh, and we talk about this idea of um, candor and feedback and curiosity, and we tell everybody, you know, there is no loopio way. Mm. There is no loopio way. So if anybody ever tells you we do something this way because that's just the way that we do yeah. things, when you ask them or you challenge things, they don't accept that. Right? Don't accept that as an answer. Right? That's our ask of you. And so just planting that seed from the very beginning, I think, is, is, is the first thing. Um, and then I think it's, it's really about finding the right people, right. That are, that are curious, uh, that are hungry to grow, that want to learn. Um, I think the reality is that when you're in a company that's growing fast, there's sometimes the company is going to grow a little faster than you and, um, un- making sure that, that people understand that that might mean that one day, you know, a leader is going to be hired above them. For instance but that is actually significantly going to contribute to their growth and so i think that's that's calibration with somebody around well what does growth for me look like right mm. it's not necessarily being promoted to a specific title within a specific amount of time Right, it's about it's about gaining a, a specific or tangible kind of knowledge and skill right? So trying to enable those conversations. And so our people operations team does a really great job of of equipping our management team to be able to have these very tangible performance alignment conversations that focus in on kind of the skills and areas that people want to develop in. Um, It's like giving away your Legos, right? Yeah, exactly. That's a great article that was, uh, who
0: who wrote that article? I think it was was, Drift. I think it was somebody from Drift. Somebody from Drift, yeah. Uh, It it was was, like, you have to be prepared to replace yourself every six months or so.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think there's a, there's a, an idea of like every three to six months, right? Being able to, especially as a leader in a growth company, um, you know, give away your Legos or give away the things that uh, you that you that you control and reinventing your job, right? Like you could build something up from the ground up and then being okay with like letting go of it completely. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of it is a, is a mindset thing. I think there's a, there's there is also like just by the virtue of being a, a fast growth company, opportunities are going to open up. And so, making it easy. For people to pounce on opportunities mm. and to put their hand up, um, to apply internally for any job that you post and being okay, right? Uh, equipping managers with the vocabulary to have those conversations with their, with their team mm. and making sure that the, the mindset is shared across the entire company that, hey, if I'm your, if you're my manager, it should be perfectly safe for me to come to you and say, hey, I'm interested in this other position. Can you help me navigate right. this? And, you know, in some companies, that manager may become extremely territorial, right? May become extremely um, unproductive in those conversations. And so, you know, that's trying to find the right people, right? And then, but also equipping everybody in the company with that vocabulary and the mindset that this is okay to have these conversations for people to think about what's next for them to o- talk openly
0: about that stuff. And it goes um, probably even beyond that. Uh, like yeah. Somebody did a study, uh, it could have been Slack where they said that the performance of employees, the huge part of it is uh, feeling safe, yes. feeling, being safe, psychologically, psychologically safe. Yeah. safe yeah. And yeah. also like uh, if you are working at Slack you don't have to respond every five seconds, and yeah. you know this is okay. Yeah. So, the performance actually grows dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a slightly different aspect, but it also goes to, to what you just mentioned.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, safety, right? Safety, safety in conversations. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think at the end of the day, uh, I can't remember who wrote, I think Reed Hoffman wrote an article with a couple of folks around this, um, the new kind of employer contract uh, and the agreement between employee and employer that. You know, nobody stays at a company for 10 years anymore, 20 years anymore. And, you know, the average uh, tenure of of someone in a a high growth software company, um, you know, might be a couple of years right now. And so if that's the facts, like I'd love for everybody that's here right now to continue to learn and grow and to be here for long periods of time. Um, But I think it's also okay to address the fact that, hey, like nobody's going to be here forever. um, But in that amount of time that you are here, um, what do you want to learn? And what do you, how do you want to grow? And as an employer, what, what, what value would I love for you to add to the business and contribute to the business? And, and how can we work together on that, right? Um, our, uh, one of the things that we, we talk about as our value proposition or what we aim for, our North Star, whatever you want to call it, is to make your time at Lupio the cornerstone of your career. How can we, how can we do that, yeah. right? Um, I would, I would love for nothing more than to, you know, 10, 15 years down the line, watch like former Lupio employees build businesses, right? That that would be amazing. Just like by nature of kind of growing with this company, um, they can take those skills and kind of apply it and maybe even co-found companies together with other people here. Um, that's what happened with me, Matt, my other co-founder, him mm-hmm. and I worked together at our previous employer. Um, uh, and so like, let's make this that time. And I think part of that is... Is two things. One is us unleashing opportunities and challenges just by being a fast growth company with having extreme amounts of ambition, communicating that, holding people accountable, um, and then also employees like putting in that same amount of intensity uh, into their work. And um, yeah, those those are the kinds of people. Like we, we we will use that narrative when we're hiring and interviewing people, and we'll see if that resonates, yeah. right? Um, and then hopefully that's that's how we that's how we try to build a, a world class team. It's like
0: the yeah. people who uh, are really. On a high level right now in business yeah uh, guy kawasaki for example or people similar to him and then they recall the time at apple and they worked with steve jobs and they said yes he was a little bit of a jerk but this was my best time and they did my best work yeah so just hearing that or or having you know being able to touch people in that way will be a big part yeah
1: absolutely absolutely so that's what we aim for
0: with regards to your personal personal side for you Mm -hmm. what are some of the skills that you're working on right now some of the skills that I'm working on personally yeah something you're trying to improve so
1: I'm uh, I'm starting to I think I'm just scratching the surface of of um, this craft of being a CEO I I think that you know over the last six years in in growing this business having two amazing co-founders this incredible team around us, we've been able to accomplish a lot. Um, it, it's been, it's still been very tactical, right? And kind of really hands-on and doing a lot of things. Um, I think I'm just starting to uh, see what true strategic practice looks like, right? And, and, and what the, the real craft is of, of aligning a workforce this large um, and, and, and much larger, hopefully one day as well. Um, and so I'm really honing in on that and I'm doing a lot of reading on that um, and and trying to tab my network. And I have a, mm. you know, a founder forum group that I'm a part of and I have a CEO coach right now as well. So I'm really trying to hone in on kind of well, what does it mean to be a great CEO? Like what do the best CEOs do um, and, and really take this in as, as my craft, mm. right? Like I could, I would love to be a CEO for, you know, the foreseeable future Um, and, and what does that look like? And and if I hone in on this craft, like what are the things? And so I would say that's the, the, the overall kind of, I think the larger picture and theme professionally is, you know, how do I continue to get better? I think I have to stay, I'm continuing to stay open minded, taking feedback. You know, I get peer reviews too, and and try to take in that input from, from the senior leadership team and and all the people around me. Um, and so that's the, the mindset is to kind of, how can I get better at this craft I don't think I'll ever master or perfect it, but I want to pursue um, being really great at it. Uh, some of the things that I'm I'm working on personally is is bringing that higher level perspective, right? So you want to call it vision, whatever yeah. it is, but you know, bringing it to the table, right? So it's stretching people's minds to think, you know, much further into the future bringing that higher level perspective, extracting it from within, asking the right questions um, to really bring vision to the table in 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 most conversations that I'm participating in, because that's where I can offer a unique perspective.
0: And what have you learned? Yeah. Um, what have you learned on a communication side? Yeah. Because I know you you spoke, you did an interview recently and you said, Oh, my communication improved so dramatically yeah. over the years spent at Lupio. Yeah. What was the biggest shift, I guess, uh, from 2014, when you started, to now?
1: Yeah. I think I'm way better at asking questions. I think I'm way better at asking questions, at at asking a question and then shutting up. Uh, I think just being patient and asking questions, extracting information, um, and and in tandem working with people to kind of get to a decision, I I think I'm much better at that. I think I'm I'm better at uh, figuring out the higher level narrative and 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 communicating you know to a larger group of of people, uh, just because we get a lot of practice mm. yeah. <laughs> um, in doing that within Lupio. So I think, but I think the number one thing is probably the the, mm. the questions, right? Learning how to lead by asking really great questions. Um, you know, everything from you know never asking. Like when you're trying to get to the answer, not asking why, never leading with why, right? Always asking with what and how, mm. right? So that you, so you, people aren't defensive open, when you're asking questions. More open, more friendly questions. versus why. Yeah, more open, more friendly, but also more productive, right? Like mm. get, Focusing more on the facts and the stuff as opposed to the person, right? So that we can work together. And so just being way more conscious, mm. Um, on that too. I think I'm also, you know, you talked about distractions and stuff. I think I'm, I'm also much better at being present in the moment in a conversation. And I think that ultimately, uh, also connects, um, very deeply to, to communication as well. But those are some of the things that right. I've, I've tried to work on. Yeah.
0: How did you switch uh, to you? Obviously, when you were working at Achievers, yeah. when you were super early starting in Lupio, yeah. uh, your day is very different. You yeah. spend like five hours to 10 hours working on a sp- specific thing. You're very mm-hmm. much a deep work type of person, if mm-hmm. you want to yeah. go by Colin Newport. How, and then you go to being the CEO, and then you actually have to switch from yeah. meeting to meeting, very different environment. Yeah. How did you kind of? make that change.
1: Yeah, so it, it may seem like an overnight s- switch, but I think it was it was much more gradual and iterative than that. I even in those those early days um and throughout even my education, I always had this like, you know, chameleon aspect to me where, you know, my skill was never going to be that I could be I was never going to be the best software engineer. I was not going to be the best salesperson. But I could jump between those planes like faster than most people, right? I could I could go from one context to the other, and I could go and talk to a group of engineers, and then I can go and talk to a group of salespeople, and understand how I needed to tweak mm. my vocabulary and my presence in order to connect with those folks differently. That was always my skill. I think that was my, I was. I found myself even as a kid on the playground, you know, being a mediator and I could always, you know, bounce between and get people's perspective very quickly and and different perspectives and have self-awareness, right? I I learned at some point, I can't even remember when it became more clear that that was a skill. Um, And so, you know, even when I was an engineer in those early days, um, I was trying to get involved in other opportunities. I remember we formed a, a PR slash marketing committee when we were a small company back at, at Olive Awards, and I pounced mm-hmm. on that opportunity and spent 20% of my time doing marketing activities just because we had no marketing team um, as a business. And then I became a sales engineer with, you know, f- a few years into my tenure at that company as well. When we started at Lupio, you know, yeah, it was a Three of us were co founder the company. Matt and I were writing code, and for the first couple of years, we were building the product. Um, and then I became, I built out a customer success function. And I spent most of my time talking to customers and, and doing customer success work and trying to figure out what that meant. And I think over time, you know, this was all, all rounded out to, to evolving into the CEO of this business. Um, but yeah, I, I think that what it comes down to is that trying to like figure out like, what can I bring to the table um, that is unique uh, for me for me and always, always about kind of getting that well-rounded perspective and then working on the skills. Uh, and then, um, yeah, like that's kind of, uh, that's kind of how it, how it evolved. Right. You, and then, and then yeah. focusing in on, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's, I forgot what I was going to say, but yeah, that's.
0: Do, do you think it's more about, um, and I mean, some people are good at understanding where they're really good at yeah. like the self-aware people who are not, maybe asking questions or like, or entrepreneurs who are just starting their businesses, asking feedback from other people, uh, being a little bit like more observe, like a uh, observant how people react, yeah. uh, or any other steps that they could take to, like, to become react. more self-aware. Yeah. To understand yeah. like, Oh, this is where I should be spending my time on yeah. versus trying to improve their weaknesses, which is not always the good idea.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm reading the, uh, the Harvard Business Review uh, guide on emotional intelligence right now. I don't know if you've you've read it before, but it's a series of articles all related to emotional intelligence, um, and one the first article in the in the series is all about this. You know, um, the keys to emotional intelligence, and and two that, that the, the main two are are really about self awareness and self regulation, right? And kind of the, the two together. And right? so I think those two go go hand in hand. Um, self awareness is. I think that, you know, I, I would say some, some individuals may just naturally be more self-aware than others um, because they, they are constantly thinking about others' perspective on them. Sometimes that can be crippling, mm. right? Sometimes it can be super crippling if you're all you're thinking about is how other people are perceiving you. Absolutely. Right? And, I, and I've noticed that for myself personally. Like I generally think a lot about others' mm. perspective, right? And sometimes that works to my advantage. And sometimes it's my disadvantage. It's a fine line, though. It's like, a fine line. Yeah.
0: Like, do you care about the opinion of other people, or you don't? Yeah. And everybody has their own yeah approach. Yeah. Actually, what's how do you how do you find that balance? Yeah. I, I think for uh, yourself.
1: For myself, <laughs> uh, I think you just have to. There's no. There's no perfect answer to that. I, I really think that um, you just have to. Understand when you're in information-gathering mode and when you're kind of in decision mode and then switching between between those things um, Yeah, and so you know on the information-gathering side uh, To you say how do you actually get those kind of that, that input on, on self self-awareness? I think when you are gathering feedback um, on yourself um, I think it's really important to not be defensive, right? People like if I were to ask you right now, Sergey, like yeah. you know, you know, how am I doing on this interview? And you know, I'm instantly going to re- if you're if you start talking and I'm interrupting you or you know re- reacting to something, you know, you're going to pick up on that cue, and the next time I ask you for some feedback, you're you're not really going to be as excited to tell me anything because you know that I'm going to be like this jerk yeah. uh, when you're giving it to me. So I think. I think being able to like ask for feedback when you're ready to receive it um, and then processing it and and not react and like holding back your, like regulating your emotions a little bit and just kind of like absorbing it, letting it sit in and then kind of thinking about what you need to do, I think is very important. You could send out an anonymous survey so that it's, you know, completely anonymous if that's the kind of person you are as well. So I think, I think, but I think that the lesson there is really about, you know, staying level headed, keeping an open mind um, you know processing those kinds of things slowly because change is hard and the older that we get yeah. the harder it is to change right especially
0: the habits yeah. i've heard the the yeah. stat uh, i think it was from Evan Carmichael yeah. he's pretty well known for his uh, self development videos yeah. on youtube where he said the to build a habit takes 224 days or something like that not like 60 days 224 um, days yeah. okay yeah that makes like, sense which, which to me made more sense because you read a book and it says, "Oh, it's very easy; just two months." And but actually, it doesn't really it doesn't feel like that easy. No, no, exactly.
1: Yeah, you got to put in a lot of repetition. And I think the older you get, the harder it gets. That's why I think it's really important to to when you're thinking about imparting any sort of change in your life. I think there's two things. I think one is that you have to be very selective about the things you want. I've always been more about like focus, right? Like I want to change this one thing, or I want to do this thing. So honing in. Um, but then I. I was also received another amazing piece of advice early in my career from a, an old mentor of mine who said that whenever you want to make any significant change in your life, um, you are most likely giving up something else. Um, and so try to have an open conversation about yourself around, you know, well, what are you sacrificing or losing as a result of making this net new change? Because things don't come for free, right? So, for example, if you, you know, wanted to become more healthy and and work out more you know, and if that means waking up earlier in the morning to get that workout in, then like, you know, what kinds of things are you passing up on yeah. um, in your evenings, right? Because you, you could have, like, it's not going to come for free, right? And you uh, gave
0: up, you had an experience of giving up a certain lifestyle. Yeah. After, after starting started in Lupio, you talked a little bit about that. What was your why why to do that what was your reason why to actually do that because that's a big change when starting a business yeah starting a business bootstrapping yeah. it not yeah. going for the seed money and until the series a and after the full-time work after having yeah. a very very pretty good like money yeah. money situation like that's that's a pretty hard one
1: it's a hard one i think it's um you touched on it earlier the the entrepreneurial spirit if you have it if you have the bug Right, and you catch it. It's hard to kind of get rid of it mm. um, once it's in you. Right, and you're like, oh, I need to do this thing. You might never jump on it, but it's it's gonna it's gonna it's not gonna go away. Right, and like if it, if you don't do anything about it, and maybe like you know, ten twenty years later, you you regret. Um, and so I think it was the combination of just like, you know, that being inside you, like I need to do this thing. I need to like you know do something really meaningful. I, I really want to make the decisions. I really want to um, have that kind of build that kind of legacy and, and, and kind of build this business, build something I'm proud of. Um, and so that, that's one thing it's inside you. Uh, and the second thing I think is just like the opportunity and, and having really good partners, right. That are at the same stage that are, and then you start encouraging each other around like, Hey, we can do this. Um, and then it just becomes a uh, viral in a way between the you, you know, get the momentum. small group, you get momentum and then you start doing things. And, So I think it was just like it was that it was like generating excitement, encouraging each other. And then eventually just kind of kind of take that leap. Um, So, yeah, I think that's that's it. That's it. Right. So I I don't think we were thinking as much about um, we knew what we were giving up. And I think a lot of like a lot of times we were giving up our our evenings, giving up most of our days, giving up a lot of our social life. um, But like it was it it was in, in, in feeding this kind of bigger, bigger thing. Um, and I think that the reality was that we were just super excited about that. And And like, you have to love the, you love the work. I think we were like, we were doing things that were exciting and new for us. Like we were applying the skills that we had gained over the last decade Right. And actually putting them to work. And like, you know, um, and we had support from the people around us, like friends and our partners. And so that was just uh, it was super cool.
0: And you had a great experience part in, in university. So you were in. The, yeah. you, you had that side.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we had that. We, we had a lot of fun social stuff and that never really went away. I think we, we've built a company where we love to celebrate. Um, I've always been kind of a, a fan of this, you know, work hard, play hard right. mentality. And I think I learned that at, at Achievers, uh, when I was working there over the course of eight years, um, that it's, it's much celebration, like feels so much better when you, when you earned it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's what we've tried to apply here at this company as well.
0: You mentioned an advice you got from a mentor. Are there any role models that you are currently, that you currently follow, look up to, could be on, on the business side, could be on a personal side?
1: Uh, Yeah, role models. Um, So uh, David Cancel um, from Drift, Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been following him for a long time. I've had the opportunity to meet him a couple of times. I think it's just his advice has always just resonated with me. I think you know, even in the early days when he was uh, the chief product officer at at, uh, HubSpot, Mm -hmm. we were seeing him speak a couple of times, and it was just like super potent, simple, but effective advice around. And it was almost like whenever... said something was like, that's what I needed to hear. Something as simple as like, just fucking do it. Just, just do it. Just Just do this thing. Just ship it. Uh, early days or like, um, yeah, just, uh, like, you know, what it takes to actually build a brand. And, and so I think that it's been pretty cool to see what he, what him and the team have been able to do at drift and, you know, subscribe to his weekly email. And I feel like it's always kind of uplifting and, and inspiring and he's just a very positive person. And so I think that's, that's definitely somebody who I, you know who i look up to and and uh, i admire um, from an entrepreneurial sense and so that would be one person
0: yeah yeah so you're leading loop here right now company's growing everything is really going very well yeah um at what point do would you consider i'm i'm actually done i've i'm done with a project i'm done with this thing yeah. what do you need to feel what do you need to see mm-hmm. uh, what do you need to hear to, yeah. to to be at that point. be. When am I done? It now.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I can answer it right now. Um, I think the biggest thing is that when 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 I feel stagnant, and I know my co-founders probably feel the same way. When you feel like you're just not learning and growing anymore, and I think that you know, even if I think back to my time uh, when I left to take this plunge. If I think about what was happening. Over the course of the eight years, I was learning and growing constantly. Like, you know, being an engineer as we were kind of getting a SaaS platform off the ground and trying to figure out like, okay, what does it mean to be a finance business, being a sales engineer, living in two different cities, bouncing around, and all of a sudden coming back to engineering, being a manager, uh, learning how to like grow a team, hire a team, manage a team. Um, and then and then it and then it kinda of got stagnant for me, right? It was like and I needed it and this company has never felt stagnant. Mm. Uh, skill has never you know skill and learning has never really felt stagnant. Um, and so I think when it gets, when things get to a point where you feel like you're just not you're just not excited to, to get out of bed in the morning and and, and well, first thing you try to do is address it and figure out what can you change in the environment around you. But I think part of it is is a is a feeling. Mm. Um, what I've always tried to do in life um, in, in moments of ambiguity, is to time box things, right? Is And so I think right now for me, it's like, okay, like, and by no means I have any end in sight of like when mm-hmm. I could see, you know, being the last day of Lupio, but like, okay, there's a, for the next year, like these are all the things that we want to accomplish. Like, yeah, super jazzed about it, excited about it. Let's go attack it. And then, you know, reflect at the end of the year and, and reset. Right. Um, and I have a great, you know, support group around me as well, where we right. kind of do annual reflection together. And, and, and so I think that that helps with that too. But, um, yeah, I think it's when you, when you stop learning, stop growing, when you're not excited, try to have upfront conversations about that kind of stuff and then, and then kind of go from there. And so, you know, I do have ideas of stuff that I would, I would do in the future, but you know, those can, those can stay in the kind of the ice box Long-term for now. And there's, yeah. There's, there's a lot of, there's a, a lot of more work to do at Lupio still.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If, when you feel stressed or unfocused or overworked, I mean, a lot of CEOs would just power through, which is very natural. That's where you are, where you are. But are there any questions that you ask yourself any time, at any point, do you step back or what would you do when you're not feeling or you don't, you're not focused or you Mm -hmm. you you're feeling pretty stressed at, at a certain times?
1: I think I've started to learn when something needs to be addressed. Like if there's something that that is on your weighing on you when you're going to bed at night or when you wake up first thing in the morning, it's probably something that needs to be addressed, right? Like whether it's tension with a with a colleague or you know a conversation you need to have or something you're not you know comfortable with or something that's you're just curious about. Um, so trust, like your your mind is 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 so deep, right? And and is working in ways that. Um, you know, we we'll, we'll, maybe we'll never be able to understand, and so it's it's um, trust your gut on those things, and just kind of go after it, and, and learn to kind of be candid with others and with um, you know with an honest with yourself about what you need to address, so you can alleviate those. And I think that's one thing I've started to realize as the mm. as the company has gotten bigger, those uh, the spectrum of highs and lows becomes greater. And the velocity of the shifts between high and low become much faster, mm-hmm. right? Like you could start the day feeling on top of the world, and by the end of the day, you could just feel like what what the hell just happened, um, or vice versa, right? Like the emotional swings from one day to the next can be so great, and so I think with that becomes like this desire to just address things very quickly. Do You expect so that? I expect now? that. Now it's I've always tried to be like level headed. I think people would, would describe me, and that know me really well would 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 describe me as someone who's very much in in control of my emotions or or pragmatic right i ov- always loved um <laughs> the aristotle quote um and i may be butchering it but it's mm. you know the the true mark of a or the mark of a true intellectual um is to be able to uh entertain a thought without accepting it right, right? something like that and so it's just the idea of like hey i can i can be pra- i can listen to anything right Um, without reacting to it and then I'll figure out how to react afterwards. And so, you know, this kind of the Zen thing, um, and you know, again, sometimes that can be, that can work against you, right? Anything is like pros and cons. Mm. Uh, sometimes people need to see your feel emotion from you, especially as a CEO. But I think my strength is really to be able to have any conversation with any person, um, and to be able to take that information in and to be approachable, um, so yeah, and I don't remember where we started in this, in this question or conversation, but or well, um, we just yeah. was feeling yeah.
0: more stressed or unfocused. Yeah. And one of the ways that, for example, Jack O'Willink, if you've heard of him, mm. uh, the author of Extreme Ownership, the former Navy SEAL, what he talks about is when you feel like you don't really want to do something, He's a, his advice is always, oh, you just got to do it. doesn't really matter, even if you're going through the motions. And then the next day, yeah. you see how you feel the next day. If you feel the same way the next day, then maybe mm. you're really overworked. Yes. Because he says, like, when you whatever you feel in the moment oftentimes is a sign of weakness. Yeah. But again this is coming from the former Navy SEAL who was fighting in, in Iraq. So yeah,
1: there is something about powering through, right? I think it's, we all like, if you have this drive within you, you should push yourself. And I think, but I, but I also think that, I mean, maybe this is controversial, but I, I don't know. I, I think that fully embracing that kind of, I, that kind of mentality of just like, just do it, just go and like, just power through and like, you know, um, push it, push it, push it. Um, you see a lot of those entrepreneurs that are like in constant hustle mode, um, and it seems like they're never satisfied. And like it's you know they're sixty seven years old and they're they've aged so much and they're weathered. And it's just like this. And so I don't know. I think there's there's a balance of like pushing, um, but also reflecting and, and kind of finding space. Um, and so I, I do I do think that it's you should push yourself. But I I do think that you know I, I wrote a post recently on LinkedIn about. Um, you know, I had a, a CEO once tell me a great CEO once tell me that, um, they treat their, their job like a performance sport and I didn't really kind of internalize it, mm-hmm. uh, that much at the time, but kind of, especially over the last year, it started to make a lot more sense to me of, you know, the greatest athletes in the world, right? What do they do? It's, it's, it's really about what they do off the court, right. Or off the, or outside the arena that, that impacts their performance, everything from like how well rested they are. Yeah right to in uh to the amount of, to the amount of mental preparation they do to the amount they practice or work out right that in, that actually leads to their performance when when it's time to actually perform and so i do think there's times in the same way as being a ceo or, or doing any sort of knowledge work right where you're performing where you're actually like it's time to execute um, and in those moments like yeah absolutely like execute like from the beginning to the end mm. but then like everything that comes afterwards is also important as well right like executing and then giving yourself three hours of sleep and then waking up and executing again like that's it's just gonna be you know diminishing returns such a great um, analogy though yeah like
0: Tom Bilyeu, I don't know if you've had a chance to uh, listen to his impact theory. He's a pretty well-known entrepreneur in the United States. No. Uh, And he's a co-founder of Quest Nutrition. Okay. It's like a protein bar company. It had like 50,000% growth. Yeah. Uh, We're sold by a couple of, I think it was like a billion dollars or like $500 million. Wow. It was phenomenal growth. And so he interviews a lot of people on health um, as, as well as business. Okay. so. Somebody on his show mentioned, and those are pretty, very well-known people, and somebody mentioned that almost all 1% performers, they re, they're super focused on their sleep. Yeah. Because if they're, like, they're such a critical part, mm-hmm. uh, goes back to the great analogy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's sleep is one thing, mental preparation, finding space to just think. Um, physical activity, I found, has been directly connected to the creative spark um, sometimes. And I think again it goes back to like the nature of the work. As my work has gotten more strategic, um, those kinds of things have become much more important. Um and so mm. yeah, it's uh yeah, I think it's this like this, you know, powering through, absolutely. But I think there's there's moments of performance and there's there's moments of, of preparation and rest and you kinda have to embrace all of that stuff.
0: What does your morning even routine look like mm.
1: right now? I wish it was you know, it's not as good as I want it to be. Um but generally speaking, try to wake up early. Uh, and that's anywhere between 5.30 to sometime when it's not as good, it's 6.30. Mm. Um, but when I do see a personal trainer in the morning, um, that session starts at 6.30. And that'll be a couple times a week. Um, and then when I don't, uh, you know, I'll, I'll walk to work or I'll, I'll do other things. Um, trying to journal more. Um, so that's that's newer. Um that's been ebbing and flowing throughout my life. And so I want to get that to be more regular. Um, also not consistently, but, you know, mm-hmm. trying to, to do meditation a little bit more, at least like 10 minutes. But um, these are things that I'm trying to do in the morning and introduce, especially as, as the year is reset too. Um, but generally early, and I'm okay with my mornings being slow and kind of warming up um, and, yeah, not having a lot of conversation and then, you know, try to get into the office by like by eight o'clock um, I'll do a lot of resetting um, uh, and, and kind of planning for the day and then it's just execution and then the evening ends. I've tried to do that, commit to things in the evening, like going, going and working out in the evening, but I found like sometimes I just have to let my evening play out the way it needs to play out based on the demands of me for the day and the business, right? Like right. it's, and for me, I found that, especially at this stage of the business and this stage of my career, like committing me, like I have to be this place by six doing this thing or five, it's, it's become tough. Um, I'm also at a stage of life where, you know, I don't, don't have kids currently. And so Mm -hmm. that, that gives me a little more flexibility. I'm very aware of that, that, you know, not everyone can, can approach their life the same way that I do. And I have to keep that in mind when I, you know, I'm interacting with my team as well. Um, so that's a little bit about my, about my routine. But one thing that, um, is, is that I introduced, um, with the help of my assistant, Mm -hmm. uh, earlier or last year now to 2019, this might be interesting uh is we do a quick sync every morning. Sundays we'll have to skip it based on urge, but most mm-hmm. mornings we'll sit down. Um and I remember after we started working together for a little while, I handed I handed him a post-it note and I said, I need you to ask me these four questions every mm-hmm. single day when we sit down. Right. So I'll tell you what those are. Yeah. Uh first question is how are you feeling? What's your energy level? Right. So it's kinda like it's getting that pulse and and you know, I don't, I don't have a manager, right? So, and I, it's, it's really important, I think, for, um, for me personally to have that outlet of like, you know, it could just be that, uh, you know, I'm really tired. I didn't sleep well. Um, or, you know, have something on my mind that's yeah. bothering me kind of thing. Um, or, or yeah, I've just, I feel good. I feel energized. I went to the gym this morning. Um, Whatever it could be. I have no idea what's going to come out when that question gets asked me in yeah. the morning. Sometimes I surprise myself as if what comes out of my mouth, but you kind of need those triggers, right? So that's the first thing that starts to paint the picture. Like, mm. how are you feeling? Second question, what's your top priority for today? It forces me to just, stop. Just, what's your top priority for today? What's the thing that needs to get done? The one thing. One thing. What's your one thing? And so it forces me to think about, okay, you know, it's this thing. Mm. Third question, is your calendar... For the day, a reflection of those two things, so does your schedule for the day reflect your energy level and what needs to happen and oftentimes it's you know it cancel that meeting, shift this meeting, move this thing here, um, and we we work together and we, we recalibrate right. the day based on those answers to those first two questions. It actually happens quite often, mm-hmm. and the fourth question is. So actually, it's a, it's a really good trigger is, you know, is there anything from yesterday that's bothering you? And sometimes it may have already come out. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's something that's been weighing on me for a while. And sometimes it could be the smallest thing about something about the physical office space or something that's maybe much bigger than that. Yeah. Right? Um, but it doesn't matter, right? Because at the end of the day, if these kinds of things are weighing on me, it's not necessarily about me personally. It's I can't do my, I can't do my job and I can't serve this company. Um, to the best of my abilities, if these things are are weighing on me right, and so um that's that 's that that 's that kind of like final kind of catch like blanket of like okay, what else needs to come out
0: just putting it out. Let's put it out let 's put it out
1: let 's put it out so we can do something about it or or punt it to later or and oftentimes it's it 's address and 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 roberto 's an awesome assistant mm-hmm. and Uh, so, you know, like that's, and, you know, not everybody has someone they can have that dialogue with, but maybe that's a, maybe that's a journaling tactic, right? Maybe that's a conversation that you have with your team, right? Maybe that's something that you leverage as a one-on-one with, you know, people that report to you directly. But, you know, I found that those four questions, um, have helped me kind of like at least calibrate on a daily basis. Uh, but then you have to create the space to be able to have that conversation, right? Like you can't right. just like rush in, like, you know, have that conversation two minutes and rush out into something else. You have to be in the headspace to have yeah. that conversation and to be present in that conversation. It's one of those things
0: yeah. where yeah. Well, there's a lot of value in, in coaching, in coaching CEOs. And and somebody will think, oh, like there's, why would somebody need to coach the CEO? Yeah. Like they know everything. But that's actually not true. Yeah. Uh, there's a psycholo- there's, there's a psychology side. There's a side where you're kind of on top of the mountain there's very very limited interactions that you have you would go to your to the meetup or you'd go to the conference to talk to uh to other ceos but that happens not quite often yeah so like you don't you don't really have that feedback loop yeah uh, on the level that you support
1: structures coaching like i realize now that like my job is, is is not a product of just me like it's i it's so much support structure right like i have my my founding team i have uh a CEO coach. I have my assistant, I have my personal trainer, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Like it's, so it's, uh, and, but like uh, my output is, is very much a product of, of all of these things. And you kind of like, you need that support structure. If you want to use the fitness analogy, like a lot of personal trainers, like have personal trainers, right? Like it's, yeah. uh, for a reason like and because we all kind of need that
0: right or formula one analogy you have 700 people 400 working on the factory yeah. 200 working on the pit lane to get this one guy on pole yeah. and win yeah. the race yeah exactly exactly you're a big reader uh, are yeah. there any books that you've gifted the most uh, the ones that jump out and could be business could be personal you know
1: i um there's a few books that that, that stand up from that, that i read last year uh, one book that I gifted last year, uh, was Patty McCord's powerful, uh, the former Netflix, mm-hmm. uh, chief people, chief people officer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was all about culture and kind of the Netflix culture. I remember a long time ago, I read the, the Netflix culture deck, like back when mm-hmm. I was a, a software engineer and it was just like, it caused so much amazing conversation. Um, at least in the teams that I was part of. <clears throat> so that was a book that, You know, when I came across it, I I bought like nine copies and kind of handed it out to everyone on the senior leadership team, like literally dropped it on their desk with a post-it note like, you have to read this. Um, And then we drove a lot of conversation. I think that one was really good because it's just like it's it's a little extreme in some areas of just like, hey you know, treat everyone like an adult. Like, you don't need to coach them in their career. Like, just give them opportunities and, like, hold them accountable. And the reason they're here is because it's a fast-growing company and they're working on exciting things. And, you know, not everybody can be scaling the way that Netflix is, is scaling or, yeah. or, you know, maybe. But the ideas of, like, you know, become an employer that people want to be coming from, right? Like, to have Netflix on your resume, like, means something. Like, what does it mean to get to that scale? And so, and a lot of really good challenging ideas about facilitating debate, within your organization. And I think it was just like a good potent, like really potent kind of ideas um, that challenged thinking of like, what is culture, right? Like what is the culture? Like um, the whole idea of like, people don't need to be empowered. They're already Mm -hmm. powerful, right? Like get out of their way. Um, And it was just good. I like, I like things that challenge ideas Mm -hmm. in that way. And I think it just causes a lot of really good dialogue and, and you just figure out where on the spectrum you are. And so that was, that was a really good one. Um, and framework too. A great framework. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that was one that, and then, um, I'm very systems oriented, right. Uh, engineer. yeah. we yeah. were like, so, uh, measure what matters, right. uh, John Doerr's book, um, around OKRs and, and goal setting and, um, classic. Right. And so yeah. we, we, we spread that around the senior leadership team and, and Lupio quite a bit last year as well. Um, so yeah, that was, that was one of the, one of the big ones. Um, yeah, so those those are a couple that stand and in Radical Candor as well. I know it's classic, but that was something that, you know, leadership training and, and and building great leaders at Lupio is something that we're very passionate about and we've even developed our own kind of leadership training year-long program for managers when they when they come into Lupio as well, but you know, a, a lot of the thinking behind Radical Candor was something that sparked a lot of great conversations in our in our management team. Um, so yeah, last year was a lot of around like leading around like leadership, culture, right. Um, organizational governance and systems like you know, things that maybe sound boring when you say it out loud, but uh, really exciting stuff for me in the kind of the stage of the business that we're at. Um, but yeah, powerful was probably the book that I that I gifted the most. Yeah. last well, year. Well, it's, you know, if we yeah.
0: speak, if we talk about the engineer type of analogy, you're yeah. building the infrastructure to be able to sh- to scale yeah. Yeah. And ship. Yeah. In, in that way. Yeah. To build in the culture, understanding how you actually get the foundation that is really solid for 500 plus people, 1,000 plus people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: this is a hypothetical question. I'm going to steal it from Tim Ferriss. Um, I'll be curious what you're going to say. If there was a billboard at Young and Dundas with your message on it, what would it say? <laughs>
1: <laughs> My message at, at, uh, at Young and Dundas? <laughs> um, yeah, that's
0: a... Uh, it's hypothetical. Yeah. It's, 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 it's
1: you know, so uh, let me think out loud here. So what I, what I've found myself, you know, we talked a little bit about kind of bringing that higher level perspective, right. Um, what I've caught myself saying and what, when almost now is become comedic in the company where the point where I had a t-shirt printed out with this quote on it, um, when people were trying to, you know, make fun of Mm -hmm. the senior leadership team, uh, it just zoom out, zoom out, uh, and the essence of that was just, like, sometimes you're just so in the weeds and and things, you know, seem bubble. so gloomy. You're in the bubble and, like, you seem to kind of come all the way out. And we, like, I think it relates to all of the things that, that we've talked about, right? Like, finding space to think, you know, thinking about the perspective, um, thinking about the whole picture, you know, being open to conversations, right? Like, moments of intensity and then yeah. kind of, like... Yeah, like zoom in, zoom out, right? Like just and so I think I even even earlier this week uh, at our town hall, I was delivering a message to the company about like there's all these amazing. There's like we're in the in intense battles in certain areas and like we're, everyone's very heads down and some things look amazing, but some things look kind of gloomy. And it's like okay, well, like just zoom out for a second and like understand that this is what success feels like, right? And it's it's not all, it's like polarizing emotions of things are like amazing and and terrible at the same time. But look at the bigger picture of like what we're creating. Um, so I think that would be my thing right now. It's just zoom out.
0: Where's, uh, everybody can find you online.
1: Uh, yeah, I I don't, you know, I I stopped tweeting a long time ago, but I would say the best thing right now is LinkedIn. Right. Yeah. Zach Hemraj on, on LinkedIn. And then, um, I do have a goal to kind of do so a little bit more writing this year, but, uh, I would say that's, that's really it. Um,
0: and we'll link it in the show notes. so Everybody can go check it out. Yeah. That's a profile and connect. Yeah. Zach, last question. What impact would you like to make on the world with the work that you're currently doing?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm going to tie it to Lupio. I I mentioned that I would love nothing more than for this company to be the cornerstone of people's careers. Um, Let's just say that I, I, I want people to build businesses and in the same way that I talk about my previous experience, to talk about, you know, how much they, they learn from their time um, here uh, growing this company um, and working with such amazing people uh, that challenge them and, and push them every single day. And so um, I know that's very focused on Lupio, but I think that's, you know, you have to be focused to make impact. And so um, I'm really honed in on kind of this group here and this group around me. And I think it's reached a scale where it's it's still humbling to see how many lives we're even impacting inside these walls, you know, let alone our customers and the network around us. But you know, I'm surrounded by people every single day who are excited to come to, to work and that's because of something that we've all created and um, yeah, just making it the cornerstone of their careers and you know, whatever it means to make that happen.
0: Well, it was a pleasure to have yeah. you on the show. Thank you so much for coming and, and, uh, and agreeing to be here after I messaged you on LinkedIn. It was great yeah. and sharing your wisdom. That was amazing. Cool. No, my pleasure. Thank you guys for listening. One thing before you take off, if you have any suggestions who you'd like me to interview next or questions I should be asking them, I'd love to hear from you. Drop me a note. I've got my email and LinkedIn in the show notes so you can do so. I've got some incredible guests coming who are thought leaders in the truest sense. I will see you all in the next one. Cheers.